This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. It's 467 days since Catherine, Matt, and I were in each other's personal company. And here we are, sitting on a picnic table at the Queen's Club together. And it's lovely. And we've just watched, kind of watched, the French Open final uh, between Novak Djokovic and Stefanos Tsitsipas. Have to say, that was a bit of a challenge because we all had lots of jobs here to do. But phones and iPads and TVs and radio and conversations were all keeping us up to date, as was the incredible Hannah on Twitter and the end result is that Novak Djokovic has somehow done it again. I mean, he was two sets to love down against a 22-year-old who's spitting fire out there on the court, and Djokovic still won. 19 major titles at Grand Slam level, one behind Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal. Oh, blimey. What a day. Yeah, and he's, he's also the first man since Rod Laver, to win every Grand Slam title twice. And that is a feat that is so rare it doesn't have a name. Mm. You, you, you gave it a name, Matt, sort of off the cuff, but it might need a better name. I said the other the, day that he was going for his second lap. Yes, that's, the, the working the title is second lap, but it doesn't sound... Grand enough. No. No, Hannah rinsed me on Twitter for that one. <laughs> <laughs> Quite right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yet didn't come up with a better alternative. But so at, at Tennis Podcast, let us know what Djokovic's second time around the world should be called. Um, it's even worse. <laughs> Just a less pithy version of what Matt said. All right, I'll come up with it. We've still got 45 minutes of the podcast to go. Okay. I'm sure I can come up with something. But anyway, I feel like that is an underrated record or, or at least achievement because it's kind of passed me by be- mm. because of this cumulative number that we're all talking about of what they'll all end up on that the, the individual achievements do get lost sometimes that's a heck of a one yeah and i think that there's more of those sort of lost achievements for djokovic than for the other two i think holding all four majors at the same time 
is a bit of a lost achievement. I mean, is that really that materially different to winning a calendar slam? No, it's not. It's just, you know, it's it's a pretty arbitrary difference, really. I suppose you could you could argue the pressure is greater, you know, going to the US Open, holding all three, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, but I think that's an underrated achievement. I think... I think winning all the Masters, yeah, absolutely. 1,000 events. The, the Golden Masters, which I also think is an insufficiently grand name for that. The Grand Master is what that should be called. Mm. Oh. I like that, Dave. Yeah. I'm sure we've had that before. <laughs> I'm not sure back. we have. I, anyway. That one always stands out to me only because when I was at the ATP, and we're going back 20-plus years here, there was a communications manager at the time who now does um, some work for ESPN called Mickey Singh, and he used to talk about that record as being basically unachievable. He, he would look at Agassi, and he would look at Sampras, and he would say, we don't make anything of the possibility, as a, and we're the ATP, we don't make anything of of." the nine, the super nine as they were called at the time, being a thing because that just didn't feel possible. Um, and I, I understand it's not as grand as as winning major titles, but that is incredible that he has managed to do all that. It's it's kind of more of a Martina Navratilova, Chris Evert type achievement, I think that. And I think it's a quintessentially Djokovic achievement because it requires you to be brilliant on all surfaces and his game is made for everything it requires you to win in you know in that period in march where you're sort of between slams mm. you've got a peak at all times of the year it requires you to win indoors which the slams don't require you to do i mean a little bit more nowadays with the roofs but i just think that record has always stood out for me and isn't talked about enough but if we're taking it back to the slams Winning every slam twice, I think, is probably his greatest statistic. Mm. When you consider he's probably going to be the standout in in the men's side, you know, it's very likely now that he overtakes Federer mm. and Nadal, and he'll have that little statistic on his side as well. I think he's he's changed... The narrative, this tournament yeah. at the French Open. Today. We, He's changed it today. Well, I would say in the last two days, beating yes. Nadal yeah. and winning it today. Look, he was already well on his way. He's taken a huge leap forward in the conversation and, and the debate, I think, in the last 48 hours. He said it's the best 48 hours of his life. Wow. There, there, ha- there has to be a chance that he separates himself. Yeah. Uh, at the moment, it feels like now he's in the perfect place to launch the final assault that takes him past them that they, and he ends up on more. But he could go further. I mean, that's that's for maybe later in the podcast or, or another one. But, I mean, this I agree with you from this past two or three days, beating Nadal on his own turf, breaking Nadal down. Because I, I a number of people have said, yeah, well, Nadal wasn't fit in the fourth set, etc. I think that's not doing Djokovic justice. I think he broke Nadal down. Yeah, why mm-hmm. wasn't he fit in the full set? Yeah. And I, I can't get over this idea of Novak Djokovic as a disruptive force in men's tennis. He came along as the third one. And I think what, his most sort of dis, disruptive achievement is that he has a winning record over Federer at Wimbledon. Wimbledon was always considered Federer's patch. What is it? It's 3-1. So Federer won in 2012... And since then, Novak Djokovic has beaten him in three finals. 
And okay, Nadal owns Roland Garros. No one is saying that Roland Garros is Novak Djokovic's turf historically. I think it's 7-2 now in Nadal's favourite Roland Garros. But two wins for Novak Mm. Djokovic over Nadal. He's the only guy who's been able to do that. He goes to these places and he conquers them Mm. on their own patch. Federer hasn't been able to do that to Nadal. Nadal did it once to Federer, but Federer generally has had the better of Nadal at Wimbledon. It's it's a big deal, I think, what Djokovic has done, beating Nadal and backing it up. It's it's amazing. Imagine going back to 2008 and the Wimbledon final between Federer and Nadal, where, I can't remember, Matt, you'll be able to tell me exactly how many slams they were each on at the time. Give me a moment. <laughs> David put you on a spot on the spot a minute ago and you didn't even blink, so I thought, I'll do it again. Disappointing, man. <laughs> Nadal was on four. He'd yeah. won four Roland Garros titles. And Federer would have been on 12, right? Because he got his 14th at the French Open in 2009 and he won the US Open in 2008. So, yeah, Federer was on 12. So, four and 12. So, at that stage, maybe a leap to say that, you know, it was, it was written on the wall that Nadal would go on to to challenge Federer for the the greatest numbers in men's tennis the way he has. But Federer was well on the way, and it had the feeling of, you know, the, the great rivalry, the two great players of at least the generation, if if not of all time. So to think that, as you say, the third one, the third wheel has come along, and I know we're getting ahead of ourselves because he's not bettered them yet, but... I'm not going to say inevitable. <laughs> I almost did, but it does. It f- it feels like we're on train tracks now. This feels like it, a, dis- a decisive break of serve, yeah. in, mm. in a match. Yeah, and he now has to hold. And actually, yes. when I look at the match today, that's all. And I didn't see all of it because of of us racing around. I watched as much as I could. I've I've read a lot. I, f- I feel like the part that impresses me most is that once he'd got ahead in the fifth set he still had to hold he still had to hold he was four two up maybe three one up but he had to keep holding and i cannot imagine what that must feel like to because how can it not enter your head what this means in in the scheme of your life in the scheme of history of the entire sport when you're out there and everybody's looking at you and he still handled it he said that after that third set, obviously he was two sets to love down, sit to pass. I, I, I only saw glimpses of that first set, but everyone said Djokovic played a brilliant set um, and sit to pass was just beating him fair and square. Um, and uh, he, he goes off court after the second set, comes back and wins the third. And he, he said that I, I knew, and once I'd got the third, I knew I could do this. And you also know that at that stage, Sitsipas knew that Djokovic knew. And that's it, isn't it? That's, that's the separation and, and the difference. At that stage, Sitsipas is still two sets to one up and playing great tennis. And yet everybody kind of knew the direction of travel at that stage. Second, it's the second time this tournament He's come back from two sets to love down. How long ago does Lorenzo Musetti outplaying oh. Novak Djokovic in those first two yeah. sets of their, what was it, third round match, fourth round match? That feels 
ages ago. And I think Djokovic is the only person, only yeah, only person in the Open era to come back in the same tournament from two sets of love mm. down twice. Well, this I, one was obviously very different because Sitsipas still challenged him, certainly yeah. in that fifth set, as you said, mm. David. He he was giving Djokovic everything he could handle, and for Djokovic to fend that off, having made the comeback says everything about I, how great he is. I only tweeted one once in the entire match because of the time, and, and it was just about his perseverance. That is a quality that I think is underrated in athletes generally. The, the perseverance to just keep going, keep your poise, don't disintegrate, because I think how easy it would be to do that, especially when you're two sets down. And just going through Twitter here, Russell Fuller, our colleague from BBC Sport, has written... Back from two sets down for the second time this fortnight, that is the first time a Grand Slam winner has done that since 1949. Calendar Grand Slam, anyone? Golden Slam, Wimbledon Olympics, and then the US Open. Coach Marion Vida says it is the goal. Of course it's the goal. Imagine that. How can it not be the goal? And I love one of my favourite things about Djokovic and it doesn't mean that I feel negatively about Nadal and Federer's approach to this but I do love his openness about his chase for for those goals yeah and that he doesn't deflect I mean obviously you win the first two slams of the year in an Olympic year you're world number one it would be all I could think about <laughs> did it sit, how, how, how big a surprise is it to you that he went two sets to love down that sits about, I mean I think from everything we hear and um, watched sits surpass kind of got a little bit fortunate winning that first set because Djokovic should have won it but then he took over and he demolished Djokovic 6-2 in the second set I mean I, that is not a scoreline I was expecting and maybe I should have been because Sitsipas led Zverev by two sets to love and then got reeled in for a while. And, and as you say, Djokovic went two sets to love down against Massetti, but I did not see that coming. No, I didn't. And if it had happened, I would have expected it to have felt like a complete hangover from the Nadal victory. But it sounds like Djokovic was actually playing really well in that first set and wasn't visibly struggling to go again after beating Nadal. So I'm... I'm very surprised that he lost the first two sets of this match. Um, he, I've said this before, perhaps I sound like a broken record, he understands five-set tennis better than anyone, I think. Look, Nadal has a thing going on where he just brings it every point, every game, every set. That's a great approach if you can do it. <laughs> but most people can't do that. Djokovic has an approach where he understands ups and downs. And I think... By the sound of things, he was in a really down period in that second set. But he didn't panic. He knew he had the reserves in him. And he knew that if he could just get the momentum on his side in the third set, it's a totally different match. It uh, it made me think of Alejandro Davidovich Fakina. Tell me why. And, and, <laughs> <laughs> and, Matt's eyes lighted and up. Having the, and having the... Who, unfortunately, I've forgotten his... Fizz. It's Martin Fizz? Yes. The, the marathon world champion in his team. And it makes me think of just what an enlightened appointment that is. It's like he's recognised that, that the, the greatest tennis player at, at the moment, that is one of his greatest strengths, that, that, that total synergy with five-set Grand Slam tennis mm. and what is, what is required of you. 
Um, and the fact that not everyone can be Rafael Nadal. In fact, not anyone can probably be Rafael Nadal before Rafa himself. And just what a clever appointment that is. And not to turn this into the Davidovich Fakina podcast. <laughs> but we can if you like. <laughs> but actually, I think you're definitely on to something there because Fakina has trained with Djokovic a lot and I believe they're reasonably close and mm. You know, I'm, I'm sure they've had conversations and he's he's probably gained that insight. Well, these top players do yeah. lead, mm. don't they? Even even if it's not intentional, people just keep... Why wouldn't you have a look at what Novak Djokovic is yeah. doing with himself in order to get himself ready? By the way, um, just another... This is a name drop, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, <laughs> at the start of the match, uh, I realised that England-Croatia was on, so I just texted Goran... <laughs> <laughs> and just to find out what he was watching <laughs> and uh, I said, uh, was, said he, was he multi-screening he was multi-screening yeah he said I said are you double screening this and he goes of course <laughs> I, I want to know which one was on the telly and yeah. which one was on the second device please please supplement that that uh that anecdote on a future podcast, please, David. We want to know everything. He certainly seemed more confident in Djokovic's chances than he did in Croatia's, just, and that bore out. Really. Just on that, I'm going to name drop today. Uh, name drop this now is because not I, fair. Because, well, no. I, I mean, I interviewed Yannick Sinner today, as you kind of did as well. But um, and he had practiced with Andy Murray this this morning. It was actually at, he was Andy's first practice partner at Queens this year, um, and. I I asked him, you know, what Andy was like in practice, hoping to get a bit of intel about where Andy's at. And he did give a bit of that, but but mostly he just talked about what a learning experience it was for him and what a privilege and just, you know, I I I he said I just see I see I saw a player that just knows how to play on grass and just gets oh, wow. it instantly and, and you know the maturity of him to say oh, i think i could maybe understand this surface in four to five years time you know it, it is that surface isn't it grass that that you don't just go on it and know mm. how to do it mm. but especially when you've you've been growing up on all the other surfaces because there isn't that much grass about yeah and if we're bringing this back to Djokovic, that's a huge reason why he's a big favorite at wimbledon next month because the challenges to him, Federer aside, Nadal aside, haven't had that much time on grass. They missed the yeah. whole season last year. Lots of them are young. Lots of them don't know how to play on grass. Yeah, and we, and by we, I mean the tournament channels here at Queen's asked Yannick Sinner if he had a question for Andy Murray today. And he said, well, I've asked all my questions to Andy Murray. <laughs> he, uh, yeah. He, uh, they, they were sat on the bench together a lot and Yannick Sinner was, I mean, he's, he's got a good head. And that was the first time I've interviewed Sinner and he's got a really good head on his shoulders. And yeah, yeah he was rinsing Andy Murray for, <laughs> for everything he had. Good for him. Yeah. Movement is almost, I think, maybe my favourite quality in a player to, to watch because it's, it's so beyond me. Uh, you won't be surprised to hear. You need to have uh, a good old chat with Riley Apelka, David. Oh, he's doing all right, old Riley. Yeah, yeah. that's what I mean. Yeah, um, he, he needs to be your your inspiration. Djokovic, overall, I think in my tennis watching life, is probably the best mover overall. I mean, there's I mean, some incredible movers, aren't there? But his ability to to just master them all when they're all so different, I think. And when I think back to 
Djokovic in years gone by, sometimes he would look a little bit off balance on grass. You know, he would slip and slide and, and so forth. But I don't know. Could you get a better move than that? He's also probably the best at winning Grand Slams without playing a warm-up tournament. Mm. And sometimes not even playing well. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> this so, one, though, that's why, that's why I think sometimes we have a post-Djokovic has just won a Grand Slam title and we're not that... We're not that into it it's it's it feels like not that big a deal i mean i think historically this feels a big deal but also he has played to the peak of his powers at points i think he i think i saw a stat by enrico enrico riva on twitter that he has won 50 percent of all grand slams since 2014 that's quite a good stat um and yeah i mean of course you know I know, I know. We, our trade is finding things to say about things, but there does come a point where we've said all the things that there are to say about Novak Djokovic winning another Grand Slam. As as you've said, Matt, this is different. This is the narrative is is moved on now. He has forced it into the next chapter, and it's brilliant. There's so much, so much to say. But there was a period there where it was just Djokovic knocking off Grand Slams, and it was extraordinary. But finding finding new ways to look at it and new things to say was was quite challenging, I think. Since 2014 also includes his biggest lull period, and yet he's still managed to accumulate 50% of the slams. He and, had burnout. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what? <laughs> Where was how'd you that? Do, how'd you do that? How'd you have burnout and, and then go and do this? <laughs> and I think the other thing that's significant for me about this is I go back to Roland Garros Relived, Last year, and Catherine, your interview... Reliving Roland Garros relived. As we love to do. <laughs> your interview, Catherine, with Marion Vider, who spoke very openly about how much Nadal had... not. I don't want to say ruined Roland Garros for Djokovic, mm. but really made that relationship difficult for him. You know, and clay as a surface, in fact, as well as just Roland Garros. And he'd, he'd always thought that would be his favourite and most successful surface because he grew up on clay, and and it would have been were it not for for Nadal. That's um, that that's quite a big deal as well. You you talked about how open Djokovic is about the pursuit of those titles. The way Marion Vida spoke to you in that show, again, it just makes me feel that's a really healthy way of going about mm. life. I mean, mm-hmm. sometimes I, I wish Djokovic was open like that in other scenarios but I think he's probably become a bit gun shy because of he's made some missteps and he's been criticised etc and he doesn't quite know I think sometimes but these things I, I do like Stefanos Tsitsipas oh. is not somebody who's gun shy about saying how he feels um, he's gone two sets up to love up today and looked well he looked like he was going to win the title and he looked pretty Disconsolate and and pretty. I mean, it looked like it's not possible to console him really today. I think if you search disconsolate in your in your GIF, how do I do that? Search engine. <laughs> I think a picture of Sitsipas courtside while they're preparing the trophy ceremony and and polishing the plate to give him. And I think else. that is the image that will appear. I mean, it's really just. A towel that you see. <laughs> yeah. A, a man with his head you in his see, towel. Yeah. A How do sort I open of the gift gyrating towel. Right. Um, yeah. He, he, some heartfelt 
words that I read about how he says, I, I really I really am going to have to go away and think about why I wasn't able no, to. No, don't. You don't need to think about it so much. He, needs to, just, he wants to go and work it out. Where, where did this all go wrong and what can I do so that I don't play like that? Work it out in a, in a dark room, oh. rocking back and forth. But <laughs> He was in a grandstand final. And I would say the two defeats of Sitsipas's career which stand out to me, other than this one, are the, Sit, are the Wawrinka one, at the 2019 Roland Garros, and the Borna Kshorich won at last year's US Open. Yeah. Both have involved days, weeks, possibly months in the first case, in the grief chamber. Mm. But ultimately, they have helped him, I yeah. believe. I, I think he learns from these defeats. He Maybe will, not he'll, immediately. He'll get there. He I, will get there. But I, this I, is an important, important I, landmark of his career. I have... N- I have no question that he'll get there. This doesn't shake my belief in him, whatever. If anything, today strengthens it. But I'm, on a very localised level, I'm seriously concerned for him over the next 14 to 21 days, I would say. He needs, needs looking after yeah, for a bit. Yeah, send puppies. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, Mike Dixon uh, tweeted that he looks properly pissed off at, in that trophy presentation and that tells him that mm. he'll probably go on and win a hell of a lot i look like goran with the plate yeah yeah there like, are similarities it, it, <laughs> that that hatred of losing mm. is a defining characteristic of champions uh, just reading some quotes from him here via George Belshaw on Twitter. I felt like my rhythm was off. I really don't know why. It was very strange. Suddenly I just felt cold and out of it. It was difficult to readjust. I lost my game a little bit. I wish I could understand why this happened. It was a good opportunity. What a great description. I felt cold. Mm. You, you know sometimes when anxiety and nerves completely take you over you can feel like your body doesn't really belong to you as though you feel that you can't really make Mm. decisions and it did feel that he'd gone in that direction now Djokovic is is influencing that he is trying to drag him into the deep waters of thinking you don't want to be thinking Mm. on a tennis court do you he didn't he say a couple of days ago in his press conference, I play my best tennis when I'm not thinking. Mm. And that's what he was doing for the first two sets. And and every, every everybody knew he he probably needed to do it in three. Well, not knew, but suspected. He, he said, what I learned today is no matter what, in order for the match to be finished, you have to win three sets and not two. Two sets doesn't really mean anything. Is still one away of winning the entire match. Oh, bless! I mean, I still, I still feel very encouraged by the fact that he won those two sets because it shows his game hurts. Oh, yeah, his his game is is there. His his game is ready. Yeah, I believe so. And I'm also encouraged that he even got to the final. Mm. This was his first experience of having that pressure when he was supposed to. Exactly, mm. and he did it. Yeah, and he did it. There's this is the most positive Grand Slam. Stefano Sitsipas's career, mm. I think, to date. Definitely not how he's feeling right now. No. But it's... <laughs> By the way, the, the other bit about Djokovic's game that I love is when his arm gets loose. And a player who we've talked about doesn't seem that powerful sometimes, and maybe even less so recently on clay, mm. particularly, 
and I've seen it on grass where his arm gets loose and the ball just feels like it's on a trampoline off, his, off it. And how does that power come when he's such a spindly-looking guy? Yet he has a timing and a whiplash effect when he's really loose. When he's Because sometimes he gets tight and you can see that tightness. And there were a couple of moments, I just watched a few points today, where I thought, blimey, he's knocking Sitsipas around in these rallies because his arm's... So loose. It's, it's like liquid. It's incredible with Djokovic how rarely I find myself aware of his power deficit against other players because he, he's so often in deficit in power terms. You know, most players he faces, certainly at the last stages of slams, are have a lot more power than him. And yet it's so rarely something we talk about. It's so rarely something that even occurs to me particularly, unless it's sort of Berrettini's blasting a forehand winner past, you know, someone has one huge missile of a weapon, the general power deficit just, he, he manages to nullify that as a feature of, of matches. Mm, he, he takes the ball early, mm. doesn't he, which which helps him, he has in, impeccable timing and yeah, as as David says, he's he, he has a deficit but he's also deceptively powerful himself and he can neutralise big servers. He can take on a guy like Sitsipas, who's got that weight of shot from the baseline that ordinarily you would think would dominate those rallies. He's got endurance, so he can keep it going through the whole match. He's He has everything. The, the guy is complete as a tennis player. And becoming... You know, he's adding strings to his bow. You know, the, I think the variety that he deploys now, on clay especially wasn't there a few years mm. ago. Mm. Do, you, do you think Wimbledon being two weeks away is a good thing or a bad thing for Sitsipas? I, I, I think Sitsipas may still be a way away from being relevant. Are, are, we, are, we, just, are we seeing a first round still one foot in the grief chamber defeat? I know it's not that. I just think he... I've seen him play here at Queen's. I've seen him play at Wimbledon. He doesn't look comfortable on that surface. No. His strokes, the way they work... Roland Garros, they don't mm. work at Wimbledon. They just don't have any effect, really, relatively. He needs to figure out how to do it more with more flat trajectories. And this year might not be the year for that. No, I don't think it is. But, but I think that's why he should go into it as a bit of a work in progress and give it a shot, try and learn, try and soak it up, not try and think of himself as a contender, because I don't really think he is one. Um, no that clip back when he wins the title. <laughs> um, but, Make a note of the time. <laughs> but just on, um, on Djokovic, I, I think one of the most significant things for me about this tournament is that it's he's done it on Nadal's turf. And it's kind of the first time that's happened in a long time that one of the, other, one of the players has taken the other's turf. And just imagine now with... Nadal and Federer on 20, and Djokovic on 19. Just imagine if Federer won Wimbledon (laughs) (laughs) and moved to 21. Imagine what a power play that would be in the sort of plate-shifting world of tennis. He'd definitely like to do it. (laughs) Or imagine Djokovic levels it at 20-20-20 and is going for the calendar-slash-golden-slam at the Olympic slash US Open. Or maybe they just send a bit of a... You know, they've got the big three WhatsApp group, haven't they? Imagine if... I think that's our WhatsApp group you're talking about. No, but <laughs> imagine if they did. Imagine if they had a big three WhatsApp group 
And then when Djokovic wins match point, he just he just goes off court into the locker room and he just says, "Should we call it quits there, lads?" Twenty twenty twenty. Are you saying that because that's what you predicted a while ago? No, and I'm just now rode back from. It'd be great though, wouldn't it? If they three of them just. Would it? It would be confusing for debate purposes. <laughs> Is that not likely? It would mean the completely futile, there'll never be a right answer to this debate, would, would rage on forever. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> That's exactly lo- what we're after. Would, That's loads right, of podcasts. Okay. Oh, I love that. Okay, well, that's uh, that's Novak Djokovic's 19th Grand Slam singles title, and it was really something. Uh, so congratulations to him and all of his team and, and all that. Send um, the puppies to sit to pass yeah. if you've got one available. Don't you worry, Stephanus. Just, just post it to Athens and you, hope, <laughs> hope, hope, hope for the best. Hope for the best yeah. No, we don't do that with animals, honestly. Uh, <laughs> um, but no, it's, uh, it's going to be all right, Steph. Don't you worry. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market hello tennis podcast listeners david here now you might know that i love a bit of cooking and i think i'm quite good at it but if i'm honest even i get fed up trying to work out what to do every night That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. The women's doubles was won, unsurprisingly, by Barbora. Krachikova and Katarina Siniakova, who um, who managed to beat Igor Svantec and Bethany Matic Sands, and well, you can't beat Barbara Krachikova, can you? That's the <laughs> the bottom line. You can't beat Barbara Krachikova. No. Yeah, absolutely. She's um, she's 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 yeah. I mean, <laughs> imagine how Katarina Siniakova must have felt this morning, waking up, going into a final alongside the reigning French Open champion. I mean, they've been playing together since juniors. They're one of the... They they could be in a bear Mau, I think. Oh, I think they are. Mm. Yeah. She's going on and she's going, I like my chances. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And how um, long her winning streak is now, Kachikova, if you include doubles? Because she won Strasbourg just oh before goodness, the French Open. Yeah. And she's won Roland Garros in singles and doubles. She's... 
She's going to hit the wall so hard, isn't she? <laughs> Who goes further at Wimbledon, Krachikova or Sitsabas? I think Krachikova. I think probably Krachikova. I think I think Krachikova will keep keep it up because I really think she can play on on grass. But I I I, I do I, the wall will come. Plus, she isn't going to spend two weeks in a in a photograph developing room <laughs> in the dark. Um, Sexy French depression. <laughs> <laughs> that was it, wasn't it? Um, and uh, I noticed, uh, and it was Hannah, by the way, who who unearthed that uh, little gem uh, on Twitter the other day about Stefano Sitsipas and introduced me to a new show that I've never heard of. Um, you don't believe I've never heard of it? I, I very much do, David. Okay. Yeah. What's it called again? Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah. Is that, is that good? I've never seen it. I'm oh. just, I'm aware of its work. Never seen it either. Right, okay. Sorry, Hannah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, uh, nothing Hannah said today on Twitter was that Krishikova said, I am going to let uh, Katerina have the microphone for this presentation because I've spoken enough already in the other presentation that I won a Grand Slam title at. <laughs> That's um, a Federer humble brag. <laughs> I do like that. I am broadly in favour of, in doubles ceremonies, one person being the nominated spokesperson. Mm. However, um, apparently she then did kind of say a lot. <laughs> <laughs> because the world wants to hear from Barbora Krujikova. And she wants the world to hear. Yeah. As you, as you, what did you describe her as yesterday, David? Quote, quote, gold, quote, bait, quote, something. I can't remember. Oh, feels like a long <laughs> time a long ago, doesn't time it? Ago. I just it was know a lovely I, turn of phrase. I think she's marvellous, that's all I know. <laughs> um, our week ahead is going to be spent here at the Sins Championships at the Queen's Club. Catherine's going to be presenting the live coverage on Amazon Prime Video. Matt's going to be working with me uh, for the tournament and uh, looking after all the social media and all that sort of thing. And it is, I mean, first of all, I should say it's absolutely lovely to be sitting around a picnic table with you both having a beer and talking on the podcast in person. We had an amazing moment this morning, I think it was this morning, where we all converged I bumped into David, and then moments later, Catherine was there. Just it just happened. Matt was in the middle, swiveling his head. I was like, as if he were watching a a, a tennis match. Yes. from from sort of in line with the umpire's chair. <laughs> it was a lovely moment. It was it was the universe bringing us all together again. Yeah, four hundred and sixty-seven days and uh, reunited. So it is very very nice, and it is lovely being at a grass court tournament and one that we have. I mean, in my case, I've been working this tournament since 1996. And last year, obviously, none of us were here. So it looks lovely, I think. The grounds look fantastic. It's uh, quiet and blue sky overhead as we come to you right now in the uh, the evening on Sunday. Uh, play will start tomorrow. We'll let you know what's going on later in the week or <laughs> in next week's show or whenever I emerge from whatever dark room I'm in. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, I mean... Grass court tennis is so... It's, I love that shift of pace from the clay. Always remember Andy Murray coming back, having reached one of his French Open finals. And well, he's only been in the one, hasn't he? Mm. When he reached the French... Sorry, Andy. When he reached the French <laughs> Open final, and he said how what a good mood everybody seemed to be in because they haven't seen grass for all this time. And I think maybe that's amplified this year because it's two years, Catherine. 
all the players I spoke to today seem to be, you know, they were extremely generous in, with their time. There's a very relaxed atmosphere about um, the players passing through their media day carousel in a way that there isn't always. There was definitely, yeah, there was just a, Perspective, I think. I know that's become a very cheesy word to use, sort of in. True, though, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, I, I definitely think it is. You know, they were they were sat there inches from the centre court with the sun beating down on them. I mean, how can you not smile? Mm. Yeah, we feel pretty lucky to be here, to be honest, and uh, we feel pretty lucky that you have all stayed with us over the course of these last couple of weeks and listened to these podcasts. I hope you've enjoyed them. Um, We certainly have. We're in great debt to Hannah Wilkes, whose work on Twitter has just been sensational. She's had us entertained throughout, informed throughout. I hope you feel similarly if you've been following that feed. Um, We have also had an absolutely fantastic mascot this fortnight. uh, Name of Phoebe, Catherine. And uh, this is our one last chance to to say hello to Phoebe and, and thank you very much. For hello, being, uh, Phoebe. I do love a corgi. Yeah, absolutely. Mm, right. Lovely Phoebe. Um, and big uh, fan. And you won the predictions competition, Catherine. You and Zeus. You sort of you you kind of did a Novak Djokovic two sets to love yeah. behind comeback. <laughs> we, we've been playing the long game. I'm smiling. I'm grinning so broadly I can barely speak. Um, Djokovic, who did it for you? Yeah. Today. Yeah. I, play, I played a Hail Mary. I've come from th- third to win. Correct. Mm. All right. Big it. day for me and Novak. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I don't know what game I was playing in the predictions. <laughs> wasn't your worst. It wasn't your best uh, Grand no. Slam, was it really, Matt? But no. Anyway, not to worry. Uh, so Matt will try harder for Scouts or Mousel in the future. I'll get my act together as well. Uh, Rogue, you know, I can't win every week. Soundbite City is how you described Barbora Kuchikova. <laughs> there you go. Just in time for the end of the show. Um, we have our executive producer, Chris Albert Lee, top bloke ears. Um, Patrick. And, yeah, Patrick's been editing these shows in the middle of the night for Patrick. <laughs> Not a word of complaint. <laughs> there was one moment where he said to you, David, David, you told me the night sessions were over at the <laughs> French Wednesday. Open. This was then Nadal Djokovic. He was editing at one o'clock in the morning. Yeah. So thanks, Patrick, for that. Thank you, Sarah. You yeah. Brought us beers for this recording. That's right. Thank you to my my wife, Grona, <laughs> for designing our newsletter every day. <laughs> Amazingly. Uh, who who else can we thank? Oh, I don't know. Billie Jean King. Just yeah. Because. Because she's looking after old Billie Jean the dog. She is. And also my parents looking after Billie Jean, no. the dog, who was splashing around in a, in a doggy paddling pool today, oh, how which marvelous. is a product that is available. And I love that that's a product that is available <laughs> in the world. Excellent. Um, and a few of you have been messaging us and saying, is there any way we can support the tennis podcast? Couldn't be more grateful for, for such lovely words. So thank you so much for that. Um, we do our crowdfunding generally at the end of the year. That's when we do our shout outs and you get the chance to, to get involved in the show. Uh, so it'll all be for 2022, that world and the predictions competition um, and the intros to the show and all that sort of thing. Um, but, if you go down on our show notes to this show on your phone right now, you can sign up for a reminder on the 1st of December when we go live with that crowdfunding campaign. There is also a, a Patreon that we run 
year round, which uh, enables you to contribute monthly if you just want to do that and don't want to get involved in shout outs and so forth. Not for everybody. Um, but we couldn't be more grateful for all the support we've had because what you did for us at the end of last year has enabled us to, to, to hire all these people and to put all this time in and, and, um, and we're just, well, we're very, very grateful because we've loved every minute of it. Uh, Matt, have we got any more shout outs or? I can do you some shout outs. Oh, yes. Marvelous. I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit, you know, discombobulated because normally I have my laptop and it's all very well organized. I've had to find it on my phone. But anyway, here now we are. Now he's drinking beer. <laughs> <laughs> shout outs today. First one for David White. Oh, we finished yesterday with a Matthew, didn't we? And now we're starting with the David. Well, there we are. Lovely. We've had too many Catherines as it is. <laughs> <laughs> All sorts of different spellings. <laughs> Hello, David. All right, David. Great name. Yeah, agreed. Uh, I don't think there are any whites in tennis, are there? There's. Um... There used to be a player called Anne White who I believe was the player who wore the all-in-one... Oh, yes, uh, with the head bit. White leotard. Yeah, didn't it have a... I haven't... Yes, I, I think maybe it did. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, and Anne is my middle name. We are. So thank you, David, David White. <laughs> Do you know what's better than one David? Oh. Two Davids. Go on, Dave. David Ryan. Oh. Hello, David Ryan. Like, um, uh, what's the Amazon, um, you know, show with John Krasinski? Isn't it Jack? Jack Ryan. Yeah. I've never watched it. Is it any good? I haven't either. I love John Krasinski <laughs> and I do think in an alternate alternate universe John Krasinski and I are married. Uh but oh, I've right. I've still never watched Jack Jack Ryan. Don't okay. think it's for me. Yeah, I think he's itched as well. So That's why I said alternate universe because I I wish him and Emily Blunt very well indeed. Oh yeah, that's it. Yeah. I knew it was somebody I knew. Yeah. Well, I don't know her, but I've heard of her. Carry on. Last one today is Joy Cat no that's lovely that's so perfect yeah and joy's ever so nice she's she sometimes writes to us and sends us lovely messages so pure joy thank you so much joy and to david and to david (laughs) Uh, this is david (laughs) signing off from the tennis podcast here at the queen's club Catherine, thank you it's been a pleasure as always it's lovely to have you back in our vicinity (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> after a long time away <laughs> and Matt uh, yeah. the same yeah the same uh, Matt's wearing his no laying up uh, cap at the moment which is the golf podcast that we we both like isn't it Matt it is David in yeah. fact you got me this hat Correct. you and Catherine yeah. any other rival podcasts we'd like to pay tribute to <laughs> not rivals they're friends okay. they, they just sure. don't know it Okay. Indeed. So we'll be back again with more tennis podcasts. We've got daily shows coming to you from Wimbledon. Uh, We've got Wimbledon Relived, a couple of those coming your way with the story of the journey to equal prize money and the story of the 1973 boycott. So I'm telling you, we've got some corking interviews for those. Uh, And we will do a show next week all about Queens 2 and Halle. (laughs) <laughs> maybe no we will we do, will do we think Sitsipas is going to have a he'll the, go the he way goes he, everywhere doesn't he, <laughs> he does the go way everywhere. David spits out the word Haller <laughs> is one of my yeah, favourite things it's a great tournament and uh, I mean, <laughs> you know old Federer is there in the, uh, anyway it'll be excellent uh, so we'll talk about tennis again to you in the next uh, week or so but thanks for your company and we'll speak to you soon
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.